yet. Where when you think, it sounds like me. It's an incredible anointing. I have a, I have a three-hour sermon. No, 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 don't be silly. You would love it. You would love it. You would love it. But I'm going to condense it down to 30 minutes so that you'll love me. So this is going to be the conclusion of the three-hour sermon so that you know in advance what to expect. He's great. He's awesome. We need him, and in him we have everything that we need. Amen. We're on a mission. We're on a a focal mission to to really define um, what a... What a spirit-filled, born-again believer is supposed to look like. It's the the Christian's identity. So we're working through the book of Ephesians. So we want to see exactly what is the identity of a Christian. What what are we supposed to look like? What is the identity of a New Testament spirit-filled, on-fire church? And we have references and we have ideas. But what is it supposed to look like? And as we work through this, I'm trusting that God is going to speak to us with incredible clarity. As we start figuring out, because there, there are areas in our lives where we don't fully grasp who we are. We don't fully grasp who He is. And we need to see that kind of overlapping so that we understand whose we are and who He is. I love the way Paul starts this letter in Ephesians. He says, grace and peace to you who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, whenever Paul mentions peace, he always mentions, he generally, there are a few instances he doesn't. But he'll generally go, grace and peace. Peace only comes You, can, you first have grace, then you have peace. You first need Jesus, then you have peace. Peace is not the absence of the storm. It's knowing that you're safe in the storm. It's not. The absence of storms means that you're just between storms. That's how it works. And often the presence of a storm doesn't mean you're out of God's will. Jesus was in a storm, in God's will. And sometimes a storm is exactly because you're out of God's will, Jonah. You need to have peace knowing that you're in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's living in Christ. In this, in this one letter, we call it a book of the Bible, but it's, a, it's actually a letter that the, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, a church just um, on the Mediterranean, and it's um, off the coast of what is Turkey now. And he, he writes this, this letter, but we've put all these letters, we've put all these things, and we call it a Bible, for those of you who don't know, and you think, well, that's very rudimentary. No, we... I'm trusting that we're going to have these new believers in the life of the church that we have to explain the Bible on that level. That the word Bible comes from the word Biblio, which is Bibliotech, which means a library of books that we speak about. Tenth book in the New Testament is books written to the Ephesians church. And when you read it, on 27 occasions, Paul speaks about being in Christ. Everything in the book of Ephesians is written to those that are in Christ. The book of Ephesians does not apply to you if you're not in Christ. If you tie some random references, there are actually 31 instances where it's written that if we're in Christ, these things apply. So I'm going to pray. This morning's sermon is called Purposefully Predestined. Let's pray. If I can ask you to bow your heads with me. Lord God, I thank you that you have plans and purposes and dreams and strategies and ideas. 
I thank you, Lord God, that not, not a single person is left behind. There's not a single person that you do not love. Lord, there's not a single person sitting here that hasn't got this incredible destiny set before them that you're calling them into. Lord God, I thank you that it's your plans that are incredible. Our plans are feeble. Your plans are extraordinary. Your plans are significant. So I ask, Lord God, that this morning it may be true from Psalm 19 when you speak about that. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be on you, our Lord God, our Redeemer. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was considering presenting the sermon this morning almost as a court case and presenting evidence to prove a case um, so that we could have a verdict read out. So presenting it, so here's the evidence, and this is the counter evidence, but may I suggest to you that my argument is strong enough that we can look at it and go, well, what you're proposing is accurate and true, and the verdict is this. However, the verdict has been decided already, and the verdict has been read. Let me read this to you. John chapter 3, verse 16. I sincerely hope you know this reference. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes, I'm a whoever. I'm a whoever. Say with me, I'm a whoever. Okay. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. If I, we cannot get saved, born again, through any of our own works. It is only through the perfect work of our Lord Jesus Christ, what he did in obedience to the Heavenly Father, that we are able to be born again. That's the only way that we can be saved. But there is a part on our side where we get to have faith and put our faith in Jesus to be born again. Correct. Who does this apply to? Whoever believes in him. You're thinking, well, we know this. Allow me to build my case. The verdict has been read. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. There's something about evil lifestyle, evil people, that makes it more attractive, and it's because they're naive and stupid and their eyes have not been opened, but it's something that sin and darkness has got a grip on them. People say, well, people don't know that they are sinning. I heard a preacher recently say, we have to tell people that they're sinners because people don't know that they're sinners. I don't know that. I was a horrific sinner. And in everything that I did, in my mind, I was constantly justifying why I did things, why I stole, why I hurt, why I did what I... I was constantly justifying why it's okay. You see, the, even the Psalms say, the heavens declare the glory of God. It, it's ridiculous to think that a person can go, there's no consequence, there's no God, this is an accident, I'm an accident, this is all happening by chance. It's not possible. It's not possible. I have a role to play because I need to put my faith. I need to say, yes, Lord. I need to say, yes, Lord. I want to tell all of you, you need to raise your children with the understanding that they need to say, yes, Lord. You cannot be good enough to get your kids into heaven. 
but you raise your children in the way they should go, they'll pursue Jesus. They might wander to a far land, but they'll be back. Well, we're in the book of Ephesians. Let's read Ephesians 1. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have two states that we can find ourselves in. And, and uh, Steve preached on this at, in, in the church back in South Africa, Lighthouse Church, quite a few years ago. I'm not copying his preach. I just want to, I want to speak about we're either living in his spiritual blessings or we're not. We're either living in Christ or we're not. You're either in Christ or we speak about you're in Christ or you're in Adam. Adam refers to the sinful nature, the original sin from the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve sinned. And because of that, the whole of mankind is destined, we're depraved, we are, we are lost. Because of that, we're born. Okay, we're natural born sinners, uh, and for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3, I'm trusting we, that reference makes sense. And then we get saved, born again. It cannot be in anything else. There is no new age, there is no Islam, there is no Hinduism, there's no reference that can do anything compared to what like, our God is offering. Every single other religion is a path to eternal destruction. And we cannot water that down. We cannot go, you know, all, all roads lead to Rome. Well, then Rome must be hell. Because we're not called to be on that road. We're called to be on a different road. It is only Jesus Christ. We're either in Jesus or we're not. It's got to excite us. It's got to provoke us to get us off our backsides. To go and tell people. Imagine sitting Somewhere, and somebody's house is on fire, and you can see the whole place is on fire. And I'm, I'm not familiar with the U.S. houses where it's made of wood. Uh, where we're from, it's made of brick and mortar, and it's built differently. So in South Africa, if a fire starts, it may be in the ceiling rafters, and that's pretty much the worst-case scenario. Uh, here it's very different. Here it's, if it starts, it's, it's a tinderbox, and it goes. I could not possibly imagine sitting outside somebody's house and I look inside and there's a whole family sitting in their living area and their bedroom area and the upstairs and everything's on fire. And I go, I don't want to offend them. Oh, that, I don't want to interrupt them. It looks like they're having such a good time. Having dinner together. I don't want to mess up the family. I don't want to ruin their peace. What if they don't believe me? When the gospel becomes real, the mission becomes real. When the gospel grips us, and this is what happens is, we, I love signs, wonders, miracles. I, I love this stuff. We operate in this stuff, and we go for that stuff. But that's not my mandate. That's the product of my mandate. As I go and I witness about Jesus, he backs me up with signs and wonders. We don't need signs and wonders for the sake of being entertained. Signs and wonders are there to back us up when we speak to the unsaved. And a word, I mean, word of knowledge for church and prophecy, we, we operate in the prophetic. But being out there on the streets with people, with colleagues, with family members, and you start speaking life over them and things start changing. It's the signs and wonders that start manifesting when we start pursuing Him. We're either in Adam or we're in Christ. In Christ, there's a difference in our nature. 2 Peter 1, I'm not going to read the scripture, I have it on the screen, and I'll have it on Facebook. I'm going to put a whole lot of my stuff on Facebook. I'd like to encourage you to go and like the Dayspring Facebook page. 
We keep everyone up to date on what's happening in the life of the church, and we share a whole lot of things there on, on Facebook and on Instagram, and it's a great way to communicate. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, Facebook, you know, it's the mark of the beast. Okay, we'll send out smoke signals and a homing pigeon for you. For the rest, get onto Facebook. It's a great tool um, to use. We changed in Christ, in our nature, in our life, in our relationships, in our service. When we're on fire for Jesus, we serve. We serve in the local church. We serve those around us. We serve in our community. We share in his suffering. He does not cause the suffering, but we get to share in his suffering because there are going to be situations that are difficult and that are tough, and we have to grin and bear it and work through it for the sake of his glorious name. We share in his inheritance. We share in the future glory. I want to say current glory, but the fulfillment of the glory because we are pilgrims. Does that make sense? Okay. Then let's get to the nitty gritty. I want to read that again. Praise. Be. This is Ephesians 1 verse 3. Listen carefully now. Praise be to God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We need to start living as though we are spiritual beings as well and not just humans in a, and we've got our earth suit, and somehow we have a spiritual element. If we live understanding that we are spiritual beings, that I am a spiritual being with human limitations that have been set on me, because that's what we have to understand. I'm a spiritual being. My spirit is born again, totally rejuvenated. It's, it's not even if my soul is rejuvenated, my spirit is alive in Christ. And then I have these physical limitations that cause havoc in my life. Because it would be great if we were just spirit beings. Jesus is perfect, then we perfectly sanctified. We have no issues. Uh, let me paint a picture for you. To every married couple. Imagine being spirit beings, just you and your wife. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. And, and I'm not saying which, if it's husband or wife. It's, it's both of you. No hormone problems. Do not laugh, men. No sickness. No disease. No No being preoccupied with how I feel. No being preoccupied with, my, with satisfying my earthly desires. You see, we, we, too often we see ourselves as just being physical and I have a spirit. We don't understand that God has actually blessed us in the spiritual realm as well. He blesses us physically. He provides for us and He cares for us. But He blesses us on a spiritual We need to understand that we're spirit beings. And that what we carry, our earth suits, this is temporary. Look after it while you have it. You have to look after it while you have it. But this earth suit, it's temporary. Are we putting as much effort and energy and resources into developing our spiritual lives as we do our physical bodies? Well, I don't go to German. I don't care what I eat. But you sleep six or seven hours a day. And chances are, if you're not eating properly and not going to the gym, you're probably sleeping 10 hours a day. A whole lot of sleep, that's investing in your physical body. Can we say that we invest the same amount in our spiritual wellness? And we don't. 
But if, if Christ is blessing us on a spiritual level, we need to start understanding we need to operate on a spiritual level as well. He's calling us into that. He's blessed us. Blessed be God our Father. Blessed, that Paul writes this, blessed be God our Father. He speaks about it, and then he speaks about who's blessed us in the spiritual realm. We need to start living with a spiritual understanding. He's, we think praying in tongues, it's for the select few. Oh, well, then he, they have a gift of healing. Oh, they have a gift of prophecy. No, my friend, I have the Holy Spirit in me. And I don't get version B or version, version K. It's not coronavirus. We don't have different versions and different strands. If I'm full of the Holy Spirit, I have everything, everything that he has. Everything. And he says in the latter days, he will pour out his spirit without measure, which means in the former days, there was a form of measuring that is before Jesus. I'm, I'm full of the Holy Spirit. Everything the Holy Spirit has, I carry but then I set myself up with these physical limitations, whether it's sin or bad habits. We limit him. But Christ has, Christ has blessed us on every spiritual, sorry, in every spiritual blessings way. He's already put us up. Now, I want to say this to you. We're now going to get to a bit of scripture that's highly contentious. It's known as the hardest scripture to preach through in the Bible. Not because the words are long and there are a whole lot of names that we don't know how to pronounce. This is contentious doctrine. I'm going to go through it in the next 15 minutes. You are going to understand it so well, and it's going to be liberating. Amen. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You've heard that before somewhere. Great. Why do you say that, Paul? For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So Paul is saying something, praise God the Father. Praise him because he's chosen. Praise him for his goodness and his kindness. Praise him. There's a worship element here. Why? In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. It's very interesting in the text there because it has the break in the verse in the, in the worst place possible. It's got that little five over there. The five over there is as if it's breaking up two concepts or principles. Remember, Bible was never written with chapters and verses. This was added later so that we could have a reference and I could tell you where to turn. But this, we have to read it as one letter. When we read the book of Ephesians as one letter, all of a sudden things start opening up. The reality of what Paul is writing, what the Holy Spirit has downloaded. Nothing has been written in the Bible that is man's idea. It's a revelation through the Holy Spirit. For in love, this is just before verse 5, he predestined us. Predestination is what I want to speak to you about this morning. For adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. When predestination, I'm going to use that word a lot. Predestination means God is provoked out of love. And this is his will, gives him great joy, sorry, great joy. And it says, verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. So predestination, I'll explain to you now, predestination is God's will. It's pleasing to him, and it magnifies his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, in the one in Christ Jesus. We, we need to see Jesus as this... Um, I almost want to say a funnel. That when you're in him, there are a whole lot of things that start applying. When you're found in Christ, all of a sudden things are activated. When you're not in him, there are things that don't apply. But when you're in him, things are different. When you when he's when he's when you 
If you eat something and it's in you, it's part of you, it benefits from you, it functions together. That's the only reference I can really think of that makes sense because it doesn't come out there. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So he takes his love and his incredible riches. And Have you ever seen the magician? Then he takes all these balls and he takes stuff and he puts it in his hand and then it disappears. But it doesn't disappear. It's he, takes, he lavishes us with his love and his grace and his mercy and his gifts. And it all fits into the palm of his hand. And then when he opens up his hand, that's where you are. That's where you find yourself. Purposed in Christ. Paul has a list of things that are predestined here, by the way. The doctrine of predestination is this. And the Calvinists have got this horribly wrong. And this is a very argumentative point. They say that God decided before time who he would save and who he would send to hell. I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe that God, who when, when he speaks about, I knew you before you were knitted in your mother's womb, that as you were being in my mind, you being knitted in your mother's womb, I will find great joy to kick you into the abyss of eternal suffering. I'm sorry, friends, that's not my God. I'm sorry, that's shocking doctrine. It's shocking. So they believe, and um, it's called Calvinism, but actually... Calvin hadn't come up with this principle. It was the guy, one of his disciples, that really set it out firmly in the principles. So he said, they ch he chose you to be saved and some to be unsaved. Some. And they start using the weirdest text. They, 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 they speak about some are chosen, if you are called. Wrong context. Some are elected, some are not. Oh, come on, dude, only one's elected. I'll explain that to you as well. The doctrine to go that, imagine doing that to one of your kids. Imagine doing that. Okay, so I've got Caitlin and Leah. I'm going to send Leah to hell because that's going to show the world my love. That's going to show my boundless grace. That's ridiculous. If we look at when God set the Israelites free out of Egypt, who, who left? Everyone that had the blood covering over. It wasn't while there's a blood covering, and then God went, oh, no, I don't, no, not you. No, not you. Oh, you can make it. No, you can't. You, you cannot reconcile the infinite love of God with this. The, and if you'd like to argue about this, uh, uh, please, please take it up with Jesus. In Him, and uh, we're going to get into the tough stuff, in Him, we were also chosen this is verse 11, sorry, verse 11. In him we were also chosen. What do you mean also? Wait, is Paul writing about someone else and not about us in the first section? Hmm, we'll get there. In him, oh, hang on. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Do you somehow think that's you? Do you think we were the first person to get saved? You must be old. 
So if you're plus 2,000 years old, this argument stands for you. But Paul's writing this saying, with the apostles, with the disciples, we were the first to experience this. We're the first ones to get this. And then he carries on and in verse 13. And you, that's the rest of us, also were included in Christ, in Christ when you heard the message of truth. Not when God came and said, you, you, uh, Dan, sorry, no, not you, Sandra. Uh, definitely. Oh, sorry, Sandra's in. Uh, Natasha vouched for it. How do we think that God could possibly look at us and purpose us to go to hell? And you also included when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Why? To the praise of his glory. The doctrine, friends, of predestination is not based on predetermination. It has not been predetermined. It speaks about a destiny. If it's said in the word that it has been predetermined whether you will go to heaven or hell, that's different. That's bad. What am I saying? That would be so easy. If God has predetermined everything, I don't need to pray. If God has predetermined everything, I don't have to be an evangelist. If God has predetermined this is what will happen, you have no free will, this is it. The prophetic falls out the way. Why teach? God can just tell them what to do. Evangelism, what a waste of time. God, you've chosen everyone anyway. But he calls us, and we're going to, we're going to get into the fivefold gifting from if we get to Ephesians 4, where God has these destinies and these purposes that he, he releases over the body, and he's calling us to be the prophetic and his apostles and, or apostolic, and he's calling us to be these incredible teachers and evangelists because he's saying, I'm calling you into a destiny, and you get to play a part. I have not in my mind been able to fathom how people can believe that God has gone and preset who's going to do what and exactly how it's going to be. So now the question comes, well, where did the guys get the arguments from? Well, they use this text, this text, and then it's the same guys who believe, well, the Holy Spirit's no longer working today, the Holy Spirit no longer speaks today. Um, it's a cessationist mentality where we just, yeah, we're just going to float around on this ball. It's spinning around this big ball of fire until we spend our 75 years and we can all die. We can go to wherever he's chosen us to be. Makes no sense. But surely if God wanted everyone to be saved, surely he'd put in his word, I command you to repent, all of you. Brilliant question. I'm so glad I'm preaching to you because that's an excellent question. Acts 17, Paul's addressing idol worship. And it says this, in the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. He commands all people everywhere to repent. He commands... All people everywhere to repent. The doctrine of predestination or the idea that there's, a pre, there's some things that have been predestined for us, it speaks about God having a predetermined desire for our calling. He's predestined me, He's dreamt about it, He's planned it for me to walk in His way and in His will. He predestined Jesus Christ to be the only way. 
He pre-established. It was in his forethought that when he created the heavens and the earth, that that would be the way of salvation. The reason why Paul teaches this is because it's not up to chance how we get saved. It's up to receiving Jesus. Receiving Jesus is I've got to acknowledge him for who he is. But how will the world know who he is? The heavens declare the glory of God. God has a predestined purpose of your life. And that should excite us. That should stir us because there's things that he has dreamt about. To say that God has ordained the demonic practices because that's what he wanted. Because if everything's predetermined, that means he has to orchestrate everything. And he would never orchestrate evil. But when he says, I've predestined you, that in the craziest environments, the most difficult environments, there's a plan and a purpose in your existence. You matter. You are valuable. That's why he goes, he goes ahead and uh, he, he releases over us, the fivefold gifts, and he speaks over us. When Jesus had fed the 5,000, this incredible miracle with the loaves and the fish, he feeds these 5,000 men, probably 20,000 people in total. And the disciples marvel at this. And Jesus says, but don't you remember the manna that, my, that was sent down from heaven for you? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, we were taught that. Um, referencing the Exodus, and he goes, well, I'm the manna, I'm the bread that the Father has sent from heaven. And the disciples say, show us this bread. And in John chapter 6, verse 40, it says, for my Father's will, good, pleasing, and perfect will. The Romans 12, the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God is found how through the renewing of our mind. It's for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. That's the God, that's the God our fathers will. You see, in 2 Peter 3, verse 8, verse 8, it says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Great teaching in that about creation. Not going to go there now. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, He's patient with you. Oh my gosh. Not wanting anyone to perish so God sends some people to hell because that was the original plan for him but his desire is that none perish that's conflicting will that's called schizophrenia that's not our God it is God's will it is his plan and purpose it's his absolute desire that everyone hear the gospel of Jesus Christ everyone see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit through signs wonders miracles healings people just you know limbs growing back that everyone should come to know Jesus Christ and that none should perish can you see how he's peppered scripture with all these texts so that we can go actually we have a role to play and we have a job to do and we need to get busy I'm going to just share this with you because some people believe that because Scripture talks about some being elect and some not being elected, that speaks about salvation. I'll share this with you. It's Isaiah 42. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one. By the way, that elect one means chosen. That's why I put a little reference up there. In whom my soul delights, I've put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. The, Jesus is the elect one. 
He's the elect one. And that's why Paul 27 times says, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, as he's writing to the church in Ephesus, because he's saying, I need to make sure you understand, in Christ, the elect one, you've been chosen with a purpose. You're in Christ, you have a purpose. Oh, I don't know what my purpose is. Welcome to the book of Ephesians. We try, and we go, well, God knows that that person is going to go to hell. He must do something so that they can get saved. That's why he tells us to go. Go. It's incredible, Matthew 28, verse 19, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. It has to start with salvation and discipling them. From where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I'm in America. I've come to the ends of the earth. Could you go to your neighbor? I'll pay for the ticket. So how does it work? Because God knows things. How does it work if he knows that some people will reject him and some people will go to hell? Because hell was never made for man. According to Matthew 25, it is made for the devil and his angels. That it's, it's, it's not some place where he's Lord and he's guarding it and he's there with horns and a pitchfork. I don't know where that stuff comes from. I know they're trying to do something about the beast in Revelation and that's just people who don't read the Bible and watch Hollywood stuff. He's not sitting there waiting to steal souls and take them to hell. He does want to see the destruction of mankind because he hates you because you've made him the image of a, the one that has judged him. When he sees you, he sees Jesus, freaks him out. That's why he hates us so much. But what if we look at God knowing everything as instead of him standing at the beginning of time looking ahead, he's already at the end of time and he's looking back and he's saying, Daniel, I need you to speak to that person. Dan, I need you to move there. I need you to, Richard, you've got something there. Wayne, just, just the guy to your because I know where this goes. I know where this goes. Get busy. We always want to establish, well, God knows from the beginning. Allow your mind, because my mind is too limited to understand the, the, the dimensions of God. And the, I'm sorry. No man in the world can, don't expect me to. But if I look at it and I go, he looks from the end of time. And he's calling you into your destiny because he knows what you're capable of. He knows what he's put in you. He knows what he's equipped you with. So when he says, I know, Sandra, you can do that. And you're going, well, Lord, I don't know if I can trust you. He goes, I know what the movie looks like and how it ends. I've watched it. And we win. Well, you can stand at the beginning of time and go, well, this is a mess. truth of predestination is that our pre-planned destiny is tied primarily to our purpose. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, for blessing us with every spiritual blessing. Thank you, Lord God, that you have a plan and a purpose. And thank you that your plan and purpose involves us, active living out our call, growing in you, understanding your word, understanding the scriptures, getting to know the Father's heart, 
learning how to live as a son of the Most High, raising our kids, working at our job, studying, all of that. And we get to do it in you. Lord, I pray for every person who's listened to this message, whether it's here or online. Lord, I pray that our hearts will be convicted. That, Lord, we are not failures. We haven't missed the mark. And, but that we are called to so much more. I speak over you this morning, friends. If you, you feel you've disqualified yourself because you've done something reckless, you feel that you've disqualified yourself because of um, possibly intentional or even accidental sin, I tell you this morning that in Christ you are forgiven and there's no condemnation. I tell you this morning that in Christ there is forgiveness of sins. You don't have to get resaved. You just have to ask for forgiveness. There's healing that comes from that. Perhaps this morning you, you, you need to make some corrections. But you're not disqualified. He's not thrown you away and He never will. Just start living in that freedom. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Unconditional atonement when you sit at His feet as a son. Allow him to bring healing to you this morning. I have such an incredible sense this morning that there, there's some of you that there was an, kind of a, a ministry that had been ignited in you because of the gifting that's in you and something happened. You were offended. You sinned. You messed up. Someone in the church hurt you. Something happened. And you've, you've laid that down. This morning, you pick that up again. This morning, you pick that up again. For those of you who have operated in the prophetic, this morning I speak, your ears will be open to hear what the Spirit of God has to say. For those of you who have enjoyed various ministries, because obviously there are areas in ministry where even though we have the whole Holy Spirit, we function differently. This morning, He's... He's calling you into that again. You are not your sin. You are not your sin. You're not your mess. Stop living in the would have and could have and should have. Stop trying to limit an infinite God. This morning as our hearts cry out to him. It's dead. Dead. And you could be sitting here this morning or listening and you're going, well, I've never had that before. I've never had God speak to me and ignite me. It's time that you start asking him, what is it, Lord? What is it that you're calling me into? Thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and your kindness. For your plans and your purposes. We honor our King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I ask you to stand with me, please? Stand with me. We're going to be, we're going to be having communion. We do it every Sunday. We have tables across the sanctuary, in the, two in the back and two in the front. We're going to break bread together. We're going to have communion. Only qualification, you have to be a child of God. doesn't matter what church you go to. 
we're going to have communion as a family. We're going to grab the juice and the little wafer. You can start heading out there while I continue speaking. You can grab one, make your way back to your seats. And I want you that as we drink the juice and eat the wafer, we're reminded that what he did for us is eternal. His death and resurrection, it's eternal. Incredible purpose. So I want to ask if you have little kids with you, if you can please help them get the cups. For some of them, it's difficult to reach. Please let your kids enjoy having communion with you. We tell them it's about the blood of Jesus and his body that is broken for us. And then once you get back to your seats, you can huddle in your little tribes, stand with the family. If you're near people you don't know, come on, make it awkward. Go and stand with them and have communion with them. Why not? Guys, we're allowed to celebrate, we're allowed to be happy, we're allowed to smile. Once again, we know how it ends. Jesus wins, he's off the cross, it's all good. This is a, to remember what he's paid for. Uh, if you are trusting for healing, I know we prayed for a whole lot of people this morning, but if you're trusting for healing, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's just trust for complete healing this morning as we get to celebrate his body that is broken for us. Yeah. Lord Jesus, thank you for your body that is broken for us. This morning we thank you and we recognize that what you did for us, we apply to ourselves this morning. We declare healing over our bodies, body, soul, and spirit. We claim it for ourselves as we eat this in Jesus' name. Thank you for your blood that was shed. Thank you for your blood. He held up the cup. He said, this is my blood, the blood of the covenant. I'm making a new covenant with you. Because of him, that we're free from our sin. Sin has no hold over me. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord God, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord God, for what you've done for us. We are only our king. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I don't want you to slip away yet. We have a ministry team that would love to pray for you. They'll be standing in front. But before you go, we just have one announcement that we'd like you to just pay attention to really quickly. Hey there, Dayspring Church. My name is Sarah Forhetz, and I cannot wait to join you on Sunday, May 14th. That is Mother's Day. What a great day to be planted and plugged into the house of the Lord. I hope you will bring a friend, maybe someone who doesn't have a church home. Grab your Bible, and I will see you there. Services start at 10 a.m. Let's make this a Sunday that will truly impact eternity. See you then.
guys have a wonderful afternoon. Please remain behind, have some fellowship. And remember, if you brought your kids with you, you need to take them home with you. This would be a great time to go and fetch them. God bless.